and part of our teaching team. And I want to welcome um, all of you today, but also special welcome to any guests that we have today. Man, we are so glad to have you with us today. And we're in a great series. I think it's going to be a fun series for you to be part of. If you're joining us online also for the first time, um, we want you to um, feel welcome as well. And man, we are so thankful to be here. We are in week three of our series called Real. And throughout this series, what we've been doing is looking at the mission of Northern Hills, looking at the mission of what God has given us as a unique representation of the capital C church, what he's given us and who he's called us to be. In week one of that series, I talked about oneness. And man, I think you'll agree that, that in our world today, um, there's so much division going on. There's so much dividing and so much, so much of that happening that this whole idea of oneness and really that foundational piece that we build our mission upon is what Jesus prayed for. He prayed for, for his church, that our, the church would become one, that the people who follow Jesus would become one for the purpose of seeing the oneness that he has with the Father. And when we look at the Trinity, the whole idea of that is that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. So even as the body of Christ, our job is to be one, to have that oneness. So really, as we look at mission, part of the reason why we visit this every once in a while is to reinforce that fact, that value in us having that mission together, to be on mission together. Our mission statement here is that we want to help people encounter the real love of Jesus, discover their real purpose, and become bold agents of real change. We believe that real love plus real purpose leads to real change. Real love plus real purpose leads to real change. And you see the, the image that we have up for this series. And, and we, you've, if you've probably seen it before, you've seen the different things. If you've seen the dog tags, even the one like I have on today, uh, just looking at those things, we did about an exercise about two years ago where we, had, um, we took these dog tags and we have um, punches that have um, our initials on it. And we punched our initials on it and we hung them up on the wall in the cafe. And we've got that same thing happening today. So you've, if you've been new in the last year or so, you probably haven't had a chance to do it. We want to ask you to go do that after service, to go out there, to grab one of the dog tags, to put your initials on it, to hang it up on that wall. And the whole idea is that thinking, man, we're on mission together. We're gonna, we want to be about what God's doing here and be on mission together. So I want to encourage you to do that. Well, last week, we, we started diving into that mission statement, and Pastor Brandon came up, and he gave us a great message on encountering real love, on what it means to encounter real love, and I love how he laid it out, and one of the things that really stuck with me was when he said this. He said, our hearts constantly search for God, for the God we were made by and the God we are made for. Our hearts constantly search for the God we're made by and for. And you think about that. I think a lot of times we may not even have a way of identifying that. We may have not a way of, of really putting words to that, but there's the yearning inside of each and every one of us to know God. Even if you don't know it, the thing that you might be looking for, man, if you're here today and you've, you feel that, the thing you might be looking for, it's God. It's Jesus. And when God sent Jesus to the earth, he's saying, hey, this is it. This is the thing you've been looking for. This is the answer. This is encountering real love. And I look at that. I'm like, that is so, so important for us. Because as we even look at our mission statement, we start to lay that out. Encountering the real love of Jesus isn't just a one-time thing. It's not just, oh, hey, I'm going to encounter the real love of Jesus. I'm going to give my life to him. And then everything's all good. See, I think sometimes we go through the motions of different things and we don't realize that encountering the real love of Jesus is something that we need to do every single day. 
It's how we fuel up. It's how we get that, that, all that love back in so that we can give that out to our family, our friends, our world, and beyond. So it's such a critical part of our mission statement, encountering the real love of Jesus. Well, today I want to talk about discovering our real purpose. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of wired in the way that I like to know how things work. I like to figure things out. I want to I know the purpose for things. And sometimes you come across something that you don't really understand the purpose of. This last week was one of those things for me. I went to a place called Meow Wolf. Anybody been to Meow Wolf? Or there's one in New Mexico. They, okay, a couple, maybe a couple people that have been that. I don't, it's... I have not only words to describe it. I really don't. Because it's like 100 artists came together, 200 artists, and they they put together just this unique display of something. And I'm trying to figure out, I spent two hours, over two hours inside this place, trying to figure out what the purpose of, and still have zero idea of what it is. I mean, there's just the reality that you're like, I don't know. I mean, it's cool. This is really cool things to look at, but I have no idea what it's about and why it was done. And it reminded me of a place back in the Midwest called House on the Rock, a little bit more famous place. You may have heard about that if, you, if you've been in the Midwest. This guy started building this house and started adding all these things to it. And I remember going as a little kid, and there was like a, a carousel, indoor carousel, like the large largest, world's largest indoor carousel in this house, and there's this room that has, like, dolls and dolls' houses that just kind of, you know, creeps you out, and you're kind of like, what is the purpose? I don't understand any of this. So there's some things in our lives, there's some things that we come upon that we don't understand our purpose. But today, I'm not going to talk about the purpose of something. My question is, what is your purpose? What is your purpose? And see, some people may, may hear that question like, gosh, I have not really thought about it. I've not really thought about what my purpose is because I'm so busy doing things day to day and just like taking day by day by day. And as I'm, as I'm going along, all of a sudden I get to a spot and I look back and I'm like, how did I get here? How did I get to where I'm at? I don't even know what that really was. And it was all about survival. You were just in this survival mode trying to keep your head above water. So sometimes maybe you haven't really taken the time to ask yourself, what's my purpose? My guess is that most of us, most of us at, maybe if it's not right now, but maybe it's at some point in your life, you've asked that question or questions like it. Questions that were saying, what am I doing with my life? Have I missed my calling? Have I chosen the right major in college or did I get the right degree? Am I in the right job right now? Is this the right career for me? Am I where I'm supposed to be? And, and, and here's the other thing is, man, what if I make the wrong decision? What if I make the wrong decision and my whole life was messed up because of that one decision? What if I'm so busy over here doing certain things that I miss my calling? I don't know about you, I don't know about you, but oftentimes throughout my life, I've asked myself those questions. Even to the point where I still ask myself, man, what am I going to be and do when I grow up? I mean, it's just like those things like, just like constantly searching for my purpose and my purpose in my lives. And see, we can find purpose, I think, in a lot of different pieces of our lives. One purpose, or one way we can find purpose is that we can find it in our roles. See, purpose can be found in the roles that we have. And I think this is probably the most often way we identify things. I mean, I'll say, hey, I'm a a pastor. I'm a leader. And so I can identify those roles of of what my job is. And you might say, I'm a teacher. I'm a sales rep. I'm a manager. I'm a receptionist. I'm a construction worker. I'm a student. All of those things are are okay. I mean, they're all, they they identify that part of our role, part part of what that looks like. But there's also, it goes beyond that too, doesn't it? I mean, I can say I'm a, a father. 
I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm a husband, I'm a friend. And all of those things are true and right. They're the things that we often go to to define our roles, but I think we need to dig a little bit deeper to uncover God's purpose for our lives. See, one way that we do that at, at church often is we do things like spiritual gifts inventories, maybe personality assessments, um, and I know that over the next year or so, we're going to dive into some other tools that will help us kind of dig at some of those things of what our purpose is and help us maybe even through some of our roles identify that. But there's so much more than that. We can also find it in other things as well. We can find it in our roles, but purpose can also be found in our past. I don't know if you've ever really stopped to think and figure out how many pieces of the puzzle do you have in your life? I mean, what does that all look like, and how do they all fit together? You know, some of us have a 250-piece puzzle, maybe a 500-piece puzzle. Others of us have a few more, maybe 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 for some of you. I mean, come on, you've got a lot of experiences in your life. That's all good. But as we go through all the different things in life, experience, and situations, they, all those things can come together. They can start to form a picture of our purpose. Think about where you grew up how you grew up, where you lived, where, where, where you've traveled, and the things that you've learned over the years, all of those various experiences, they may seem ir- irrelevant and not connected, but as together they formed you and shaped you in a way that God can use you and form your purpose to be used by him, to glorify him. An example of this is um, from the Bible is the story of Esther. Esther was a Jewish woman that ended up being chosen by a Persian king to be the queen. Incredible circumstances around that whole thing. I encourage you to go read that book. Just a, a great, really, story when you look at all of that. But God used her in her position at the exact used her in her right time and at the exact right place to save her people from mass genocide. Unbelievable. In Esther 4, 4, 4, 4 14, we see Mordecai, um, Esther's cousin, say this to her. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arrive from some will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. And then he says this, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. See, God uses things and experiences and circumstances and where we... And sometimes those purposes are not easy circumstances. Sometimes we can also find purpose in our pain. Sometimes we can find purpose in our pain. Sometimes God uses painful parts of your past for good. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've gone through or you're going through something like cancer or another ailment. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've experienced rejection from your family. All kinds of different things that are painful things in our lives. And we think, what's the, what's the purpose of this? How can this identify anything? But God can use some of those things for his glory. Reminds me of a story about Joseph. You probably read that story. You know, Joseph had this, this gift of interpreting dreams. But that gift got him in trouble, didn't it? I mean, his brothers didn't like the idea of him, the, the dreams that he was interpreting. So they actually sold him into slavery and then went back and told the father that that he'd been killed by an animal and so joseph ended up through all the circumstances he ended up being sold to potiphar one of pharaoh's officials and found favor with potiphar until potiphar's wife accused him falsely accused him of seducing her and it landed him back in prison 
And so you see here Joseph enduring all of these painful circumstances, being rejected by his brother, working his way out, being sold into slavery, being imprisoned for something that he did not do. But all throughout it, Joseph did not lose his faith and his trust in God. He finally works his way back out when Pharaoh needs him to interpret a dream. And so he interprets this dream for him, and he ends up, Pharaoh ends up taking him and putting him in, in second place, second in charge of the whole nation of Egypt to, to be able to control and be able to, all the, the resources of that, to be able to help prepare them for a famine. And then what did he end up doing? He ended up saving his family, his brothers who sold him into slavery by what, his preparations of what he had done. He used the painful pieces of his past to impact the present at that time and do things that God wanted him to do. You might be in a hard season of your life right now. You might be asking a lot of the questions like, why, God, what is going on here? But I want you to know that God may use that pain for his purpose. Purpose can be found in our roles. Purpose can be found in our past and in our pain. But you know what? Purpose can also be found in the waiting. Purpose can be found in the waiting. And my, I, my gut is that really no doubt that in this room or online right now, that someone here right now is in a time of waiting. You're in a time of waiting. You, you may have an idea of what God's purpose is for your life and you're still in waiting, or you may have no clue at all, but you're in this time of waiting. Maybe you've got your eye on a job and you think, no, this is what God's got for me. This is what I'm supposed to do. Here's the next step I'm supposed to take. But you're, but you're just not, it's just not opening up. The, everything's not coming together. You're not getting that job offer. You may be in a time of waiting. Maybe you're in a job right now that you know is not the right step, but you, you can't seem to find what that next step is. You're in a time of waiting. Maybe for some of you, Maybe for someone here that they're, you're single, but you so desperately want to be married, but you haven't found that right person, that, but you haven't found person that you know that God has designed for you, that person that you can spend the rest of your life with, but you're in this time of waiting. There may be someone here right now that wants so desperately to have a family, but things aren't working. You've gone through all different things, all, trying to all different situations to have a family. You just aren't able to have your own family. You may be in a time of waiting. I think throughout our lives, we go through different seasons of our lives where we, our purpose may not be fully clear, but we're in this time of waiting in the midst of it. And I want to tell you that for whatever reason you find yourself in this time of waiting. I believe that these times of waiting can be some of the most formative times in our lives. It can be the most We're not focused on what we are to be, but we're trying to focus on who we are trying to become, on who we're trying to become. Because that's really what this time of waiting can be. How are you forming me, God? What does it look like for me to form that? Not in what I'm doing and the things I'm going to be going doing from that purpose, but who am I becoming? The Apostle Paul, in a letter written to his close friend Timothy, in 2 Timothy 1.9, writes this, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the very beginning of time, to show us his grace 
through Christ Jesus. Let's go back to the very beginning part of that verse. For God saved us and called us to live a what? A holy life. He called us to live a holy life. He didn't say to Timothy that, that God calls you to live a life of a pastor or a teacher or a football player or a doctor or a YouTuber or a delivery person. He says, no, no. He goes, I called you, I saved you to live a holy life. You are called to live a holy life. You and I, our number one focus when it comes to our purpose should be on who we are becoming. That's what it should be. Our life, our calling on our life is to be holy and set apart from this world. When somebody sees you, when somebody looks at you, what do they see? Do they see that you are set apart? Well, what does that even mean? What does set apart even mean? It means you don't do the things as the world does. You don't think the way the world does. You're not driven by other things that other people are driven by because you've been set apart by God, called by Jesus, infused with the Holy Spirit to live a life that is worthy of your calling, to live a life that is holy. As you look and you dive into Scripture, there's nothing that, that shows you, hey, you're being called to a specific career. But instead, over and over again, it shows that we are called to live lives that look more and more and more and more like Jesus. So maybe, maybe for you and I, the first and most important thing for us to do is not to focus on what I'm doing, but focus on who I'm becoming. Do you feel like you're moving closer to Jesus, becoming a person that God has called you to be. See, the reality is we're all in process. This isn't a perfect thing. We're all in process of becoming who God wants us to be. Because I think as we do that, as we prepare ourselves for that, that we can discover the purpose that God has for us. And maybe somebody here today, or maybe somebody even watching online, this idea, this question of purpose seems so foreign maybe even so defeating. You, you may be in a place where you have a trouble even believing that you have any purpose at all. You may feel like you're a failure or you're not lovable. No one really cares about you. Maybe you feel like you're not worthy. Maybe you feel like you've messed up so incredibly bad that there's no way that God loves you, let alone has a purpose for your life. If that's you today, I've got an important message for you. It's a message I heard when I was little in kind of a fun way. And I remember somebody showing me this little placard that looked like this. I know I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. And I look at that, and that picture actually reminds me of some of the pictures that I remember of me as a little kid. There's this little mop of head, head of hair there and with this little look on it. But I just love this idea of this idea. It's like, man, God don't make no junk. You were made for purpose. And no matter how down and out you may feel, no matter how outcast you may feel, God has a purpose for your life. King David, a man in the Bible who loved God fiercely, wrote this in Psalm 139, 13-14 about our creator God. He said, For you, were cre you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. So he's saying not only did you take all the DNA and do the magnificent, unbelievable miracle of creation, you cre created my body, you formed me. Not only that, but you created my inmost being. My soul, deep down inside, he created you. 
because he has a purpose for your life. And not only that, listen to what he says next. Verse 14, and I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And you know that prayer of King David for him saying, hey, God, I know that I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. That's the same thing for you as well. That's the truth for you as well. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, what does that even mean? We go back to Hebrew text, we look at the word fearfully. It means with great reverence and heartfelt interest and respect. My translation is God don't make no junk, right? He doesn't make any junk. God made us with great respect, great reverence. He had attention to detail. Every little piece of it, as God made you, he put you together. He was all in. He took it very seriously, and he made you just like he wanted to make you. He didn't make a mistake with you. He on purpose, he created you for a purpose. And not only did he make you fearfully, but the other side of that, he made you wonderfully. And the word wonderfully means unique, set apart, uniquely marvelous. And no wonder David burst out with so much, so much excitement when he's, he's saying this, because God designed you uniquely for something that only you can do. And do you realize that? You have a unique place in God's kingdom. You and I, we were set apart, set apart for a calling, a purpose. And according to the scripture, you and I are a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. You were created by God in his image to make a difference in our world. In Ephesians 4, 1, the Apostle Paul, while still in prison, wrote this. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Even while Paul was in prison, placed there because he was living out his purpose of following Jesus. And remember, he did not have a perfect life. Paul was Saul, who had originally went around and was persecuting and killing Christians until he encountered the real love of Jesus. And it transformed his life. So he lived out his calling, even to so much of being put into prison. And he's begging with us. He's pleading with us. He's saying, I beg you, lead a life that is worthy of your calling. So maybe you've been believing the lie that the enemy's been feeding you. The lie that says you have nothing to offer. The lie that says, it's all taken care of. You don't have a role to play. We've got this. The lie that says that you, you, can't, you don't have anything unique to offer anything else. Don't believe the lie. Because you were created uniquely for something that only you can do. And there's a, a hole that's empty, that's your sized in the kingdom of God, that's meant right for you to know that you had a purpose to live out by following your calling. And maybe for some of you, you just doubted this whole idea of the kingdom of God from the very beginning. But maybe God is doing something in your life. He's working on your life right now. And he's bringing to you a spot of saying, gosh, God, I need you. I know who you are. I believe, Jesus, that you were sent by God and you were raised from the dead. And I'm going to declare with my mouth 
that you are Lord. And if you do that, if you believe that, the Bible tells us you know you are saved. And that is worth the very first step of encountering that real love of Jesus and making that decision that your number one purpose is to give him glory because he is worthy of that. So I encourage you, if you've not made that decision yet today, make that decision today. And then follow up with us. Have a conversation with one of us. We have some things we'd love to be able to offer to you to help take those next steps. And you can even take that next step of being baptized like Hunter was this morning. What a blessing. What a celebration in heaven when God's people come to him and say, man, I need you, Lord. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this idea of who we are becoming is something that that needs to resonate, I think, in every one of our hearts. Because more often than not, that's a constant thing for us to be going through is, God, who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? So we're going to sing a couple songs. And these songs are dedicated specifically for us to be asking ourselves those questions. In that, even in this first song that we're going to sing, we're going to talking about making us a new vessel. He said, make me a new vessel. Make me a new vessel. Make me what you want me to be. And that's so important for us to say, God, we're here. Help form and shape in us what you want us to do so we can live out the calling that you've given us in our lives. So I want to encourage you during these songs. Maybe for you, maybe you're in a spot right now where you just need to to sit. You just need to sit and and have those words um, sung over top of you. For others, I encourage you to to stand as, as we sing and declare this declare this as your time saying, Lord, shape me and mold me in who you want me to become. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for having patience for us. That as we live our lives, we often fall short of living out lives that are worthy of your calling. But God, thank you for the reminder that we are all uniquely made the purpose. God, I just pray for everyone that's here right now. If, they're in a, if you're in a spot of struggling, that you would meet us right where we are. I pray that these songs will just fill us up. Lord, thank you for the example that you set before us on what it looks like to live a life that's worthy of our calling. Help us to grow closer and closer to each and every day pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.